Hello, friends. I took your line today. <laughs> Happy birthday, Valerie. How are you? Happy birthday, Randall. Uh, and also, uh, who cares to you? I am Valerie Fairlight. This is Randall Rigo. Welcome to our podcast, Happy Birthday, Who Cares? The only podcast that I'm aware of where we always talk about happy birthdays on October 1st. <laughs> uh, it's also the only podcast we do, so that, that goes without saying. It almost sounds like you haven't done this 30 times already. 34 times? Whoa. Is this the 34th time? Dunno. 34 weeks in a row. Starting to get out of control. Really? Someone should do something about this. <laughs> Oh man, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm keeping it uh, keeping it going in this hectic world that we live in. It was a really busy week. Yeah, the last week of doing stuff for recreational vacationy summer stuff happened. We went to the EXO EXO festival. Which would you describe it? How would you describe it? I describe it as a conference for internet creatives. Uh, yeah, I I think maybe internet is. Not necessarily a connected, Not necessarily, required, but probably. Yeah, but for the most part, it tr- truly is. It's hard to describe. Anytime anybody asks me what it is, I'm like, well, you know, web web people, which is the internet, software people, also the internet. Sometimes it could just be a game that you make. That's true. Uh, there was a panic there, and they're just making a a little handheld game. And there were people who were content creators and people who were both podcasters and i guess there was a thread of internet i think the the more important thread was these people didn't suck for the most part they were all really good yeah agreed they were all kind and um thoughtful open sharing you can look up uh, on the internet some previous years of xoxo talks yeah they're available for anyone to watch on youtube i think there's been a lot of good speakers, and there always are a lot of good speakers. I missed kind of half of it this year because I was busy with work and some other stuff. But um, <laughs> I had a really good first day there, and I had a really good um, social day. Yeah, I really enjoyed getting together with people. Not all of it related to the festival, actually. We had some visitors that were not festival-related, and that was really good. It made for a really intense weekend. I was so tired. Yeah. When I'm it was done. St- I'm still a little tired. I think I was pretty much out of it until the other day. What was your favorite talk that you went to? Well, I only saw so many of them. I liked the podcast about, I need to remember the name of it, the one where the guy talks to an inanimate object. Everything is alive. Yes. Everything is alive. That was good. That was really fun. He, um, can he, we talk about he, what he said? Cause I don't, I don't know if it's come out yet. It'll probably come out soon, but he's interviewing a chainsaw. <laughs> It was really good. It was, I've never heard of that podcast before and I immediately subscribed to it and I'm looking forward to listening, listening to it. That's the thing about XOXO is I know I didn't have a chance to look up who any of the speakers were this year. I knew a couple of them, but most of them were unknown to me, but I know that they curate so well that I was going to like everybody. Yeah. And I did. The two, uh, two people that run it, Andy and Andy. Bao? Bao. Bao. And Andy, the Irish Andy. I, Andy... McMillan. McMillan, yes. I knew it. I knew it all along. Uh, doing a fantastic job. Um, Good job, guys. The talk that I enjoyed the most was the 100 Rabbits about a couple that decided to live on a boat 
and then sailed around the world what without made, any real knowledge of anything. What made that your favorite? There was it was such a good narrative to see like someone just going, "This is it. We're going for it." whether we can or can't do this and something that seems to me super dangerous. Yeah. So it was very fearless. Don't take it that I'm going to buy a boat and we're going to go sail around the world or anything. That's not my takeaway from it. My takeaway was that like they were willing to just restart their lives as whatever boaters, sailors, you know, it's almost like they were living in a, a post-apocalyptic life in some ways. They just had what they had. Yeah, kind of. They had of. to make do with what they had. They had to fix the things that broke. They had to... Yeah, they sort of had to disengage from uh, modern urban life as we know it. But their story, I think that the part that really worked for me was that they had to build a community mm-hmm. and join a community that they were not a part of. And the fact that like the sailing community seemed to be this welcoming everybody is sharing all their knowledge sort of thing and just this wide net that just anyone can be a part of if you're a part of it i may have missed that part but was community enacted via what radio or yeah i think people or when they got together in you know shore or dock port port, Mm -hmm. they would share whatever they had and then they would open source all of their knowledge, right? So if they learn how to do something, they would immediately share it with other sailors. Yeah, I like that part very much. Um, the impression that I got was that's the culture of sailing but uh, and boaters, I guess. But um, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't, I'm not really part of it, but I hope it is. The law of the briny deep? Yeah. <laughs> kinder, gentler briny deep. The briny deep. Isn't that... Isn't that whatever you can get? Yeah, is that's yours? pirate law. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like uh, I can get whatever I can get out of the Titanic. The law. The I law think. of the briny deep. Yeah, something pretty special about that EXO Exos Festival in the way that it inspires you to be creative. This time last year was when I was really thinking, like, what can we do? And the idea of a podcast started forming as a kernel out of that festival when we went to it. So in a way, I kind of feel like XOXO is uh, the launching point for at least for me for doing this. For me, not so much, but I do appreciate being around other creative people and lots of people who are working on all kinds of projects, things I never would have thought of, things I wish I had done. It's uh, pretty impressive. It's definitely inspiring. It's inspiring, and and most of it is just people having an idea, not having any special training, but just making the idea a reality, which is the way I like to roll. Yeah, you are definitely a maker. And a doer and a shaker. <laughs> what else do we do this weekend besides work and XOXO oh my Festival? God. Sleep, maybe a little? We went to professional wrestling here in Portland, <laughs> Oregon. We went to go see the DOA 11th anniversary show. Our friend, our friend Jamie was here from out of town and she has checked out our Instagram pictures of wrestlers and she was very curious, mostly because it involves cute boys. Mm. So she came with us and it was a hoot. There's cute people of any gender. It's true. That was the first wrestling show she'd ever been to, right? Yeah. And she... It got a little bit in our face. She saw a real, <laughs> real close-up version. <laughs> uh, this DOA wrestling is... <sighs> 
well, I'm trying to figure out what the like equivalent is if you're not a wrestler. It's like going to a ballet, but the ballerinas jump into your lap. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? Like you're a part of it. I don't think there's any equivalent, but it's kind of like being at a, at a very interactive magic show. <laughs> <laughs> I think of it as a magic ballet stunt show. Yeah. It's like you went to Universal Studios, Waterworld, and then they blew up your car. No, not kinda, really. Kinda like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we went to that. We weren't, we were on the fence about it and I'm never sad that we went. No. It's generally a pretty good time. Wrestling is uh, my favorite. Sorry. Ridiculous, but fun. Yeah. I'll stop trying to justify it to you. <laughs> you who? You the audience. You the audience. If you don't watch wrestling. Uh, Listen, there's lots of crap wrestling out there. Don't watch it. <laughs> Just watch them. If you want some recommendations, let us know. <laughs> Reach out to me personally <laughs> on Twitter and I'll I will give you some. Uh, the show that we went to in Tacoma just went up online, so I'm looking forward to watching that and seeing if it was as good as I rem- remember it being. I think it was pretty good. And I'm looking for the rest of that tour as well. Looking forward to watching the rest of that tour as well. Speaking about reaching out, you can reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at HBWC Podcast. You can email us at happybirthdaywhocares at gmail. Or you can text or call us and leave a message at 501-420-4292. HBWC. That's right. HBWC on your touchpad, if you wish. Randall, what are we talking about today? Well, today, in 1973, the number one song in the United States was Half Breed by Cher. Hmm. On the one hand, share, yay. yay. On the other hand, half breed, oh, not so much. Problematic. Half breed, that's all I ever heard. Half breed, how I love the paperwork. Half breed, she's no good to warm. Both sides were against me since the day I was born. I thought I knew this song, and then it turned out I was singing two other songs. (laughs) I was uh, singing Indian Outlaw by I don't know who. Okay. I don't know who that is. Maybe Paul Revere and the Raiders, and also Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves by Cher. I thought both those songs were this song. Right. I was wrong. Yeah. Well, Cher did Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. At least I got the right artist in that one. Yeah. By the way, she's... Yeah. You don't want to talk. Uh, I'm just going to dive right you're into the, talk, to the share problem here. About share. Should we talk about the song first? Sure. Want a little background yeah. on the song? So at least we can, we can say we covered it as best we can. Journalistic That's, integrity. <laughs> that song, Half Breed, was the first of two singles off of an LP by the same title. Uh, and it topped the Billboard Hot 100 for two weeks becoming Cher's second solo and third overall number one hit in the United States. Uh, It was also the second gold certified solo single for a sale of over one million copies. Um, We watched the video as well. The video is a clip from her performance on the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour in 1973, and it features her sitting on a horse singing in front of a white screen with some wood carvings, uh, weird computer like, fire. 
It's like a totem pole, and um, she's sort of wearing a like a bikini and a war bonnet. It's yeah. kind of a it's, it's a it's a thing. It's a look. The the horse did not have a saddle on. Also, that wouldn't be comfortable. <laughs> she's wearing a bikini on a horse. It doesn't sound comfortable. You should try it. I would not. I'm afraid to ride a horse. Have I mentioned that? No, you haven't. I'm afraid that I will injure the horse. Oh. It's, I know. It feels like a real. It's a real fat boy sitting on a chair, breaking it kind of thing, except the chair is alive. I get it. I get it. I mean, I think I'd like to, but I don't know at what weight I'd feel comfortable riding a horse. I think I maybe need to lose like another 50 pounds. I think you just need a bigger horse. Like one of those Clydesdale. (laughs) (laughs) Clydesdale. Do you ride those horses? Maybe if you're in a, a wagon train or whatever they pull around. I have been on a horse when I was a kid. Yeah. And when you're a kid and you're not that big, it's very difficult to get your legs all the way down far enough on the sides of the horse that it feels like you can balance. (laughs) It basically just feels like you're propped up on the top and you're about to fall off. I have this idea that a horse would not give a shit if a child told it to do anything also. Probably not. It's just going to do what it wants. Horses are pretty docile. Are they? In 1973, October 1st, I was one years old. Uh-huh. You... I was negative one. ...did not exist, but I'm sure your parents were giving each other the hairy eyeball by that point. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, a few months away from... I don't know how we... Conception? I, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of some <laughs> some term that was romantic or spiritual in a way, you know? Like, um, I was just trying to gross, the spark was gross lit. you out. Yeah, I already have a, g- a gross enough idea of my conception <laughs> in my head. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't <clears throat> want to get into that. That's actually one thing I do not want to get into. No, no, kind of squeaks me out off limits. Yeah, yeah, so sure. Yeah, can we talk about the video first? Sure. That I mean, there's her, not there's not much to describe beyond what you said. Mostly, she sat on a horse. Clearly, that horse was drugged. Probably, a little quaalude. A little horse tranquilizer. Uh, the horse did not really seem like they were involved in what was going on. The lack of a saddle thing bugged me out a little bit. Her outfit was not much. I mean, she's stunning. Yeah, her body is stunning. Everything is stunning, but it's it's a little weird. It's a little weird now, like looking at it. And I, I think I always thought that Cher was um, an indigenous or had some Native yeah, American. I'm pretty sure she's not now. Yeah. I so don't the, know. De- the deal is that her dad is Armenian mm-hmm. uh, and her mom was mostly European white with reportedly maybe some Native American, maybe Cherokee. Yeah. But I think that might just be one of those long passed down family rumors. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you're raised being told that, you know, you're not, how do you check it, I guess? Right. Yeah. But regardless, it's like, you know, if she's one sixteenth Native American, I I don't know. It's weird because Cher, as we know her now, is such a cool chick, and she stands up for a lot of different people, and she says a lot of cool things. Yeah. But the truth is that in the early 70s, like, White people were, in American culture at least, white people were not aware of what appropriation was. 
Yeah. I would say that most even quote unquote woke white people were not really aware of it until maybe the late nineties. Yeah. And even then, like I remember, I remember hearing about appropriation and, and recognizing it and thinking, Oh, I see why that's, that's bad. Even though somebody's doing it in an admiring or flattering kind of way, because finally I sort of figured out what colonialism was. And I just don't think that 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 was part of the dialogue at that point. I mean, I'm not trying to like let Cher off the hook, but at the same time, I'm sure she was way cooler about stuff than the majority of people at that point. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd give Cher a pass because Cher seems like a genuinely good person and wouldn't actively do something to hurt someone. I like how we're talking about Cher, like yeah. making a, a good character judgment well, on Cher. I'd like to now bring out Cher. Cher, please, <laughs> if you would. Uh, wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that blow your mind it if would, I was like, oh, oh I have God. Cher here in the room here. Just if you guys had her on the phone? If you know Cher and think she would be interested in talking about this. She doesn't have to talk about this. She can or talk just, about whatever she wants. If she, she'd be willing to just say hello to us on the internet, that would be okay. Um, how many degrees of separation do you think we are away from Cher? Maybe three. Three, three degrees? Four. Who do you know that, who have you met that you think has met Cher? Nobody. Yeah. But I know that Cher and Kathy Griffin are good friends. Okay. And I feel like with the amount of comedians that we've had in and out of our lives. Yeah. That there must be so some you go connection you there. To some comedian, to Kathy Griffin. To Cher. To Cher. So now we just need to figure out which comedian you've ever met in your life and still would talk to you. That sounds real rude. <laughs> that sounds like you did something. No, I mean like remembers you well enough to talk to you. It's probably Janine Garofalo. Hmm. So we go Janine Garofalo. You got to make a, you got to make a connection with her. Mm-hmm. Then you have to meet, have her introduce you to Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin. And then at that point, you're already connected to... You're in. Yeah, everybody. It's a matter of time, just a matter of time till Cher shows up. Like some sort of genie or magical being that you say her name enough, she just walks in. That's really weird and exoticizing of you to say. (laughs) This whole episode's going to be a dangerous (laughs) a dangerous game we played. Mm. Um, I, I mean, okay, like I'll just say it real quick. If I said something offensive, I apologize. If I say something offensive, I didn't mean to, and I apologize, and I'll do, try and do better next time. I'm trying to do my best. and uh, Learning as you go. I am. I'm willing to take a lesson, too. If I say something and I didn't know it was bad, let me know. Yeah. It's funny that this whole, that we're doing Share this week and Half Breed this week. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that whole Johnny Depp thing this week? No, what happened? So he's been the spokes model dude for uh, Christian Dior's Sauvage what perfume. What is that? Oh, a perfume? A uh-huh. perfume. Is but, it for men? Yes. Okay, is that a cologne? It's a cologne. And like I said, it's called Savage, basically. Sauvage. Sauvage. Is that French for Savage? I presume. Okay. Anyway, they just did this big promo video for it, commercial mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it, but like an extended a little like, video. Yeah, an extended like video, commercial but for cologne. Uh, using Native American imagery. Okay. And talking about how you have to escape and get back to your more savage self. Okay. Uh, it's it's so <laughs> there's so many problems with it. Yeah. And then right. once I started diving into this, I realized that because of 
um, Johnny Depp being in the Lone Ranger as Tonto. Oh God, I forgot about that. A native tribe, basically this one woman who was head of this native tribe agreed to quote, adopt him. And so now he is a part of that tribe, even though I don't think he has any native blood. Anyway, it led to this video. I'll play a little bit of it for you. All right. Greetings and salutations, my dear brothers and sisters. Welcome to the 30th annual Gathering of Nations powwow. As some of you may know, last year I had the pleasure of visiting and working with many great people and with many great tribes and nations. And never before have I undergone such a warm and valuable working experience. To have spent time with these people, to have spent time upon their lands, was a privilege unlike any other. I felt truly blessed by some strange and unknown force. I'm also very regretful that I am not able to share this weekend with you, to meet with many other incredible people, tribes, and nations that I have yet to encounter. But I know that our time will come soon. Until then, I want you to all know that I am there with you all in both spirit and soul, always. I salute and I serve you all, all Indian peoples, all Indian tribes and nations. You have my eternal respect and I wish you a great, wonderful weekend and a triumphant powwow. Uda, thank you. Anyway, Johnny Depp is fired. (laughs) We've already talked about canceling. I, I won't even say his name anymore. He's out. <laughs> He's dead. He's out. Does this does this song need to be canceled? Mm. You know, the song is interesting because it's the narrative is in a very like she's singing it as if she is the half breed. She is, but but that doesn't necessarily mean that she is that person. No, and she, she, obviously she's not. But she's singing it as this character that is kind of noble and sympathetic. Yeah. And not heroic, but just definitely like in a sympathetic light. Someone that's gotten like a not fair shake. Exactly. Is what it sounds like. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know what my point was, but. The the original question was, should this song be canceled? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I think probably most songs from 1973 should be canceled. I didn't really like the song. No, so I didn't either. I would feel bad, but I think she still maybe still plays it. I read that she hadn't played it for like 25 years and then she played it sometime in the early 2000s. Brought it back? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to defend Cher. Yeah. Cher defends herself pretty well, I think. She does. Yeah. I mentioned I didn't know this song and I feel like this comes up a lot. Like (laughs) last week was Remington Steel. I had never watched it. I feel like there were a few episodes where I just had no concept of it. And I knew it's something super popular. To be fair, this was before you were born. One year before I was born. But you'd think I would have heard it at least once. Were you a big Cher fan ever in your life? I mean, besides a fan of the person, which I would say I am, but like the music and her performances. No, I mean, she's always been very visually striking. I was always aware of who she was. Mm -hmm. I always really loved her face. But was I a Cher fan? No, I was a little kid. I wasn't going to be in like, I mean, by the time I came around to Cher awareness, we were already up to turn back time and, you know. 
Sharewareness. Sharewareness. <laughs> Definitely Turn Back Time was my first shareware. I bet it was. <laughs> that was a... Do we have a date on Turn Back Time? I feel like it must be... Uh, I feel like it's late Very, 80s. very much uh, in my becoming a boy, <laughs> becoming a man <laughs> wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't like it. Felt like what? I wasn't super comfortable with displays of sexuality like that. The leotard e up the butt crack riding, on a ship. Of, riding the uh, missile launcher thing. <laughs> I think it was a gun. I think it was one of those the guns. The gun turret. Uh, on a ship full of sailors. Yeah, it's a little... My dad was in the Navy. It just... Ugh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank ah! you. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Oh, if I could turn back time, <laughs> I would not have asked the question. <laughs> How about that? Uh, but I remember like her Oscars outfits. Yeah, a uh, big, giant, crazy wig. Yeah, actually, I it, well, all kinds of stuff. She had one that was almost... Not see-through, but like it was one of the first dresses you saw in like a major public setting where the important parts were just covered by beads. Yeah. Like that's a very J-Lo thing to do now, but... Now it feels like you see it every year. It's not a big deal. But she was the first one to do something like that. And it was was lovely and shocking at the same time. She's super fearless. Mm -hmm. I feel like Cher is a good example of someone who could do whatever they want stylistically and pull it off. She doesn't always pull it off. And that's the interesting thing. Like she's had some failures in her career mm-hmm. and you mean style wise, both style wise. And also like we were talking, Cher had a mail order catalog. Yes. The name of that one was um, sanctuary. Sanctuary. Yeah. yeah. And it was basically this catalog where she sold like gothic home goods and jewelry and a, a stuff she liked. It's time to bring that back. I would love to see it. <laughs> Please share if you're listening to this episode. <laughs> we're ready. We're ready to buy everything <laughs> from the share sanctuary. It looks like the kind of Ozzy Osbourne yeah. meets uh, rejuvenation hardware or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. With a little hot topic thrown in. With a little hot topic. And a little Ren Fair. Yeah. So on one on the cover, she's wearing like a suit of armor, like King Arthur style. Yeah, like chainmail and stuff. Pretty neat. Um. Anyway, I don't think that did super well, and I know at the time, a lot of people mocked her for it. She also like, she endorsed like a workout program and mm-hmm. hair care products, and she got a lot of flack for that. And I think there were many years in there in between where people thought Cher was entirely cheesy. She's like, uh, it feels like a money grab or whatever. Or, Not sure what's Yeah, going or just on. like a, you know, washed up has-been. It's almost like, may I bring up Def Leppard? Absolutely. It's kind of like when a band or anyone sticks around for long enough and they've outlasted the haters, that they get a new kind of respect. And I think that's where Cher's at. The only fans are the true fans that remain. Yeah, but then like the, because they're still going, the rest of the world comes around and says, oh, you guys are still here. What are you doing? And then they check it out and they're like, oh, you don't suck that much after all. Yeah, or nostalgia always makes its sure. appearance every now and again. And if you have mega success at one point, nostalgia is ready to roll one more time. A new audience shows up. So I have an interesting fact about Cher. I had thought, I was thinking back and I was like, oh, she's had like a number one song in four decades, in, in each decade of 40 years. Mm-hmm. The truth is, 
that's been true for six decades. Whoa. Yeah, which is bonkers. (laughs) So wait, let's do the math. So she had um, I Got You, Babe. Yep. In the 60s. That was with Sonny and Cher. Correct. Okay. Um, She had, I think, three, maybe four number ones in the 70s. Definitely two because there were two on that album that came out, that half-breed album. Yeah. No, I'm, maybe I'm not. Maybe it was an album before, but it was definitely in the 70s. So let's see. The 60s, 70s, in the 80s, she had uh, Turn Back Time. Of course. In the 90s, she had Do You Believe in Life After Love? Mm-hmm. And in the 2000s, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't something we'd know. It was like something that topped the dance charts. And then finally... Um, from the 2010 film Burlesque uh, with Christina Aguilera, she had a song called Haven't Seen the Last of Me, which also topped the dance charts. That's awesome. Uh, six decades. It's incredible. It's like more than Elvis, wow. more like more longevity. Maybe Prolific. I wonder if maybe um, Frank Sinatra had something like that, but I don't think so. Was a, Did you do an ABBA album? She did, recent, yeah. more recently. Was that more recent? I was going to say maybe that was the 2000s. Some Cher superfan saw this and is screaming at their iPhone right now to tell us. Please tell us. Please reach out. I was reading about Cher and Bob Mackie, too, who, of course, designed all these crazy yeah, the, outfits. the Chicago guy. And, is that Bobby Mackie? I, I don't know. I think so. Anyway. So he actually did the outfit for this video, Half-Breed. <laughs> the subject we're talking about? Yes, that one. It turned out that they had actually met because Sonny and Cher were doing a guest spot on the Carol Burnett show, and he was the designer for the Carol Burnett show. Whoa. The costumer for it. And so I, I always visualized him as being a more provocative. Well, he was later, but I, you know, everybody gets their start somewhere. Yeah. So it turned out actually that Cher and Carol Burnett had almost exactly the same measurements, which is a trip when you look at both yeah. of them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, anyway, they became friends. Bob Mackey would be like, hey, what what about this crazy thing I thought of? And she'd be like, all right, yes. yeah, let's do it. <laughs> she said she was a yes and. Yeah, totally. So they um, they collaborate even, I believe, up till now. Wow. What? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So all those memorable share outfits you've seen pretty much are all Bob Mackey. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Do you want to hear a little bit? A very little bit about the production of this album slash song. Sure. The song and also the entire album, same title, Half Breed, uh, was produced by uh, Snuff Garrett. Do you know Snuff Garrett? I do not. No. It's quite Snuff a name. Garrett, he produced her uh, first solo albums for, I think, MCA. It was arranged and this song itself was written by a producer by the name of Al Caps. Mm-hmm. And the instrumentation was performed by the LA session musicians commonly known as the wrecking crew surprise yeah a name that comes back again and again throughout musical history knowledge that we go through yes it does that movie about the wrecking crew is one of those fantastic stories that everyone should see I think I love hearing about the hidden the hidden figures so to speak Mm -hmm. in this case not to steal a title from another movie about people who were behind the scenes but it's exactly right i love to hear the secret the secret sauce yeah behind what's going on 
And it makes you realize that like those people are, they're just invisible geniuses. Yeah. Like they really are the secret sauce. Hidden among us, right? I actually found out that when Sonny and Cher first met, she was like 16 years old. Yeah. And he was a little older and he had some connections in the music industry. And one of her first jobs was actually singing backup for Phil Spector. So in that sense, she was already in with like the Wrecking Crew. Snuff Garrett was actually the person who hired Phil Spector for his first producing job. Oh, wow. Under him as an associate producer. Do you know what what record or artist that was for? No, I don't. I mean, he produced a lot of... I looked at his background and I didn't know any of the people he produced in the, I want to say, late 50s. You're too young. Yeah, I I mean, they they weren't Frank Sinatra or Rat Packers, and that pretty much is my only knowledge. They weren't famous jazz people. Right. That's all I got. Famous jazz people. But there is a Phil Phil Spector connection. Boy, what a creep that guy is. Interesting creep for sure. Yeah. Can we talk about Cher's tweets a little bit? <laughs> I love Cher's Twitter. So it turns out that Cher is actually dyslexic. Really? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons that she communicates so interestingly yeah. on Twitter. She uses a lot of all caps and not a lot of punctuation. And I just read it as ha- occasionally she's screaming because most <laughs> of the time it feels like something that should be screamed about. I guess people first started taking note of Cher's Twitter around 2012 where she posted things like something is amiss with iPad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I blocked someone's dad. Who's Who was it? <laughs> oh, and then this is my favorite one. Oh, shit. Gummy bears. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think, what do you think the story is there? Like she just realized they existed or she forgot she left a bag of them in a car? She thought she was direct messaging somebody. I don't know. Occasionally, uh, she will write something where she's genuinely asking for an opinion. She's like, what do do you think I should do on this tour Mm -hmm. or whatever? And I've noticed a couple times she wrote like, no fake answers. It's like, <laughs> don't waste my time with <laughs> no fake answers. But the I do like it. lately, it's really anti-Trump and yeah. really anti-bad business decisions from terrible companies, terrible acting companies, stuff like that. Uh, Cher is a voice <laughs> that will a voice speak in the to darkness. power. Cher is... Uh, not afraid of any of those people at all, I think. I get the perception. I don't think she gives a fuck. No. I even wrote that in the notes for this episode. I really I really don't think she does. I we watched that um Jane Polly interview. That Jane Polly interview and it's so eighties that it was like shocking that she was like, I don't need men. Yeah. I just want oh, men. I love men, but I don't need one. <laughs> It's so just like, oh, yes, women are very liberated, except when it comes to actually doing anything without men. You're successful, but why aren't you married? Yeah. Um, And then that's where that great quote came out of. uh Uh-huh. Do you want to say it? Her mom was like, Cher, you need to marry a rich man. And Cher said, Mom, I am a rich man, (laughs) which is my favorite thing. It's very true. She must feel... Like, Did I say that last week, by the way? I feel like it came up. Anyway. not Maybe not last week, but definitely a previous episode that came up. That's my favorite share quote, and mm-hmm. I also love Liberace. Okay, the end. <laughs> Every episode. Uh, wrestling, Liberace love, uh, maybe a Def Leppard drop. Why not? 
It's the hits that keep on hitting. This is a wrecking crew of podcast givers, I'll tell you what. I think the probably the most important question of this week's episode is, do you believe in life after love? I do. <laughs> At XO this weekend, they ended up playing Do You Believe in Life After Love as an outro to the podcast about the chainsaw. The Everything is Alive. Everything is Alive podcast. We're going to tag them on this one for yeah. sure. But yeah, that ended up being part of the outro. And then suddenly the song cut off because they were setting up for the next act. And the whole audience went, oh. Yeah, there was a, a definite ah going through the whole valley. I w- if they had started it up again, the place would have erupted. Yeah, it would have. Man, they totally missed out. Um, yeah, I do believe there is life after love. This definitely love after love. Agreed. We're both we're both proof to that. Living proof. We're living proof. We're we're second uh, marriagers. I'm not afraid to admit. Where are you gonna go with this, Randall? Oh, I'm just gonna say like I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I learned some stuff about myself, and I think that I became a better person because of it. You know. I think so too. I hope so. I'm pretty sure you did. Uh, and I'm glad that you had the relationship you had because then we found each other because of all that. The great thing about being in bad relationships is it's really easy to spot a good one. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of auto-tune, even in that uh, contrived context. Do you Like on that? purpose? Yeah, it's like I, they were using it as a as a new tool. It's a, uh, an effect. It's not a... Uh, a corrector. Correction. Correct. You know. Yeah, correct. But I remember liking this song. And I remember being in San Francisco at the time, and it was everywhere. It's a banger for sure. Like, it makes you want to move and sing it. It's one of those, like, you're heartbroken, but you're going to be okay songs. The world needs more of those kind of songs. I agree. Things are going to be fine. Yeah. I do love that song, and I do love that sentiment. It's kind of like the story of her life, too. She had such a strong relationship, and it could have just been, like, right after that could have been the end of her professional performing career. It could have been grabbed sadness. Instead, she moved on and had great success. Many and many loves, too, I guess. Uh, if you could be any of Cher's boyfriends, who would you be? It would be Greg Allman, but would you? only because it's the, I think he's the most talented of them. Uh, that's probably true. Yeah, who would you be? Uh, definitely not. Gene Simmons. Yeah, I was going to say, Sam, it's not going to be Richie Sambora. <laughs> it's not going to be the guy that was just a guy, whatever that guy was. He was real cute, was. though. What was that guy's name? I can't remember. Rob. No, I can't remember. Mm. I wonder if Cher's messing around with anybody these days. Do you, What was the movie where he she was hooking up with Frankie Munez? Munez? What? The guy from uh, the TV show on Fox. What was the name? Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. What? It was like as a joke in a movie. No, I don't know. Doesn't this. sound familiar to uh-uh. you? It's like they. She, it was a joke to make fun of how she dates younger men. Oh, I in get the it. Movie and she's dating a child. It was kind of gross a little bit. But it's a little gross, but you know what? I've seen worse in real life. So <laughs> I'm looking at you, James Woods. Oh God, <laughs> disgusting. Oh man. Anyway, this has been uh, celeb chat with <laughs> Valor and Randall. <laughs> Hollywood insiders. What's your favorite share song? It's probably Do You Believe. If I Could Turn Back Time is the second, but it's probably Do You Believe in Life After Love. 
I, I don't have a strong share fandom that I know the the deep cuts no, of share. No, I don't either. And that song is so good. I do like her voice, her very distinctive voice. Yeah. But you know what I like more than that? What? I think I already mentioned this. Her nose. <laughs> her original nose. What happened to her nose? Oh, she's just had some... You can't speak ill of Cher. Just Not at all. She's that. just had some nips and tucks over the years. I think she'd be the first to admit she's had oh, some yeah. surgery, plastic surgery. I'm sure she's talked about it. And she looks tremendous, so whatever yeah, really. it worked. I am full bore surgery. Are we going to do I think some, <laughs> pretty much, some medical tourism later? Yeah, if you think that we both could benefit from some sort of plastic surgery enhancements of some sort, I'm down with it have any ideas well i don't know i mean like maybe if i can get a prehensile monkey tail or something <laughs> i don't know what do you think that's not real let's have a con- let's have a difficult conversation what plastic surgery would most improve me i can only speak for myself not for uh, you no you don't want to answer i don't want to answer for me either it's terrible i can answer for me but you can't okay. answer for me do you want to do you want to share with us I don't know. I might get like a tummy tuck or maybe my jowls lifted lift, or something. A jawline lift? Yeah. I always thought maybe I would have like some lightening done because I have very dark circles under my eyes. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably do that. Your nose is perfect. Don't ever change it. What about my chin? Do you think I could have a stronger chin? Maybe I the, don't know. Maybe I'd get this tightened up around the neck too. I'd also like to get my teeth whitened professionally. Uh, also want butt implants. You do? <laughs> no. You but mostly because I look. You don't need them. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> mostly because I like sitting, and I just feel like it'd be so much comfortable to sit on two giant gel pads. You think so? No, I not do at not. All. No, <laughs> not at all. But anyway, if you've had medical tourism and you would like to talk about it, let us know right in. I know somebody who went and had foot surgery in Russia. Okay, that doesn't sound like a real thing, but please explain what that means. Uh, I wish I'd looked it up the story but he he broke his foot he broke his foot and he had to get some fairly in-depth surgery on it so this isn't like plastic surgery no for for kicks no but this this is choosing to go to another country to have it done this friend of mine is a uh sort of like a very long-term contractor freelancer a freelancer for many many years and i don't know that he had insurance at that point so he screwed up his foot he paid to fly to Russia, had it worked on, did a little bit of tourism. Do you mean he wanted to see what Russia was all about? Too, well, while he was there? yeah, probably a little bit. I mean, I doubt he was walking around, but flew back and all of it was probably, I don't know, maybe a quarter of the price it would have been to have it done here. Wow. I think that's a thing, right? I mean, yeah. like if you're cool with the medical facility that's doing the procedure, why not? go there and get it done the only thing i would be concerned about would be the rehabbing yeah kind of thing i wouldn't want to fly recovery yeah yeah like uh if you had to you had to wait like two weeks but if you could have like a sweet two-week villa vacation while you were there why not this is the reality we're living in randall a global economy where you just have to go to where the price is right for you maybe one day yeah I live in hope, let's really change the subject. I live in hope that we move to a a Medicare for all sort of one single payer system in the United States. This isn't a thing for us anymore, really. I am hoping that I get some kind of socialized medicine by the time 
I get old enough yeah. to, to need it that badly. I feel like we got a good 20 years before we really need it to be enacted for sure. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, come on, baby. Come on, baby. So on that light note. Yeah. On that light note. Oh, I wanted to say one more thing. Share mm-hmm. is my favorite story, which is uh, to say a second act. A successful second act. A, thir- right? a third a and third, fourth. A fourth, a fifth. <clears throat> a not saying like, well, my time has come. My time has passed. I guess that's what I am now. Yeah. You know, I'm this memory. Yeah. But instead going, what's the next thing I'm going to do? We're both at that same point ourselves. For sure. It's not so unusual for men to do that, I think. I mean, you look at the Frank Sinatras of the world and the, okay, that's all I've got. Frank Sinatra has come up so much in this episode. Well, I just feel like he's an EGOT, you know? He has a bit of that. Like anybody that's got a career in one entertainment field and then suddenly another one. Excels in another one. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really rare for women to do that. Most women in entertainment just disappear after a while. It's unfortunate. Aging out is a real thing. For sure. Um, but Cher is an icon and not willing to give it up. So that's, I think, great. I like her very much. Yeah. If uh, I'll reach out one more time, we'll reach out, we'll tag her for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that we'll become fast friends. I hope so. She's a real estate maven. You know that, right? I do. And also, apparently, I think she, um, when she invites ladies over to her house, they hang out in her bathroom. She has a bathroom that's like the size of an apartment. And they just like sit on the floor and mess around and like put on makeup and. Can I get some follow up on that? No. How do you know this? No. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna take that out. <laughs> no, we are not. We are not taking that out. <laughs> Kathy Griffin. Okay. Again. Uh huh. Reports that when you go to Cher's house and you're good buds, you hang out in her bathroom. What do you think she's got in the bathroom? Is there like seating? Yeah. Like those couches and stuff. Yeah. Uh, TVs. Probably. Probably more ambient music, I'd I'd imagine. Is there like a hot tub or something in there? Probably. Makeup, food? What are we talking about? Makeup, boy. I'm basically, Cher's bathroom is paradise. I'd imagine that. It's like Disneyland for adults. Do you think the ultra rich just scale up every room in their house? Bigger, better. Instead of having like 20 bedrooms, they just have a bedroom that's. 20 times the size of a regular bedroom. I don't know. If you're a super rich person and you have a giant house, feel free to tweet at us and let us know how that works. If you're the 1%, please reach out. We're accepting patrons and sponsors. <laughs> I think that's a good good ending there. I'm begging for money. And uh, the rest of you, just rate, review, and subscribe. That, w- that would be enough. Thanks, thanks if you've already done that. That's awesome. Um, we appreciate your listening and... Also, we love you very much. And I love you, Valerie. I love you too, Randall. Happy birthday. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.